chapter 6, we begin to see the wrath of God being poured out on the earth. And we uh, are going to look at the four horsemen of the apocalypse this morning, if you want to call it that. We've already looked at the first one, took us two weeks, and we're going to do the other three this morning. And so uh, open to chapter 6, we'll read it and, uh, and come back and begin to talk. So chapter 6, we'll start again at verse 1 for the sake of context. Notice it says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder come and see and I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went and he went out conquering and to conquer and when he opened the second seal I heard the second living creature saying come and see another horse fiery red went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for denarius and three quarts of barley for denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine and when he opened the fourth seal I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying come and see and so I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then a white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were who would be killed who would be killed as they were was completed and so we see this section of scripture and if you remember we've kind of we've been looking at this already um, and I think that it's interesting that as I look at it this time and I notice that there's an interesting thing even going on here as we see these four horsemen begin to be unleashed. And last week and the week before, we looked at verse 1 and 2, and it, it said, uh, talking about this coming world leader that I told you about, that he who sat on, who rode the first horse, he who sat on it, if you look, uh, had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquering. Very interesting. And he, this is the one that is going to be uh, coming upon the earth. And I would call this one a political judgment, if you will. Those who uh, have an allegiance. And it's interesting as you look at it. Notice it says in verse one that when the Lamb opened the seal. Remember, some people teach that this one on the white horse is actually the Lord Jesus going out to conquer or the church going out to conquer. Remember, I told you two weeks ago that that's not the case at all. This is an imposter or an antichrist. Y'all remember that, right? 
Uh, he is actually the coming world leader who will go out. It's actually a political judgment, if you will, that God is sending in the earth. And it's very interesting because in verse 1, if you look at it again, it says, When I saw the Lamb open one of the seals. When the rest of the seals are open, it just says when he opened the seal. Uh, verse 3, it says when he opened the seal. Verse 5, when he opened the seal. Verse 7, and on and on and on. But in the first two verses of this chapter, it's when the lamb opened the first seal. And I think it's important that Jesus wanted us to see that it's actually the lamb. Jesus portrays himself as the lamb, the one who gave his life according to the law to pay for our sin. And so it's the lamb who's in heaven, if you will, who has taken the scroll out of his father's hand and has begun to open, unleashing his wrath upon the earth. So the picture is that Jesus is in heaven opening the seals and these judgments are being unleashed. In fact, we know it's the lamb and everybody knows it's the lamb because in verse 16, the people are crying for the mountains and the rocks to fall on them and hide them from the face of him who sits on the throne and from, notice, the wrath of the lamb almost comical but they never repent so it's the lamb of God who's pouring his wrath out and he has the right to do it because he laid down his life this world considered him unworthy to rule so they crucified him he gave his life to pay for yours and mine and so he has is the one who has the right he loved the world so much that he came to die and so that those who would believe would have everlasting life and not perish. And so now he has the sole responsibility of unleashing wrath upon the world who has rejected him. And so that's the first judgment. And it's very interesting because the Bible says to us, Jesus himself says in John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus says, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. And so this is a political judgment, a judgment of a allegiances, if you will. See, just like Israel, listen, in their history, they did not want to be ruled by God in his way. They wanted a king like the other nations. Y'all remember that, right? They wanted a king like the other nations. They pleaded with uh, Samuel, we want a king like the other nations. Samuel went before God and cried on their behalf, and God gave him the message. He went back to the nation of Israel, and he said, look, you don't want a king like the other nations because this is the way a king rules. He will take all your stuff and tax you, and, and it'll be worse for you. Nope, we don't want to hear it. We want a king like the other nations. And so God gave them Saul before he gave them a king after his own heart, David. And likewise, in this final hour, because remember, the, the whole seven-year period of the tribulation is a time period that's designated for the nation of Israel. Daniel says that 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city to, to deal with everything. And this, seven, this uh, last seven years represents the last week of Daniel's prophecy. We covered that. So this is a time season where God is going to deal with Israel to bring them to saving knowledge of their true Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he's also going to be judging the world that rejected him. So that's why we, we don't see the church in this because the church has been taken to be with the Lord during this time. And so just like God gave them Saul before he gave them David, he's going to give them the Antichrist before they receive Jesus Christ, their Messiah. And they will believe on him 
until he commits the abomination of desolation, which Daniel talked about and Jesus references, which we'll get into right around chapter uh, 11 and 12. And so this is the first judgment of the four, uh, the first of the four uh, horsemen is a political judgment. And so we're going to see that. And um, it's very interesting as we get ready to go into this next one, the second seal, we actually see a red horse and it's kind of a spiritual judgment. So look at it with me. Verse three, y'all with me? All right, good. You got your pad and your pen. You're taking notes. Verse three says, and when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Remember, they're showing this to Daniel. He is seeing this actually take place. He is in the spirit. Remember, he was caught up in the spirit uh, until the day of the Lord is the literal translation. And he is in heaven seeing these things take place. And so he comes and he looks and it says another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted, granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. And it's very interesting. I call this a spiritual judgment because this judgment, it constitutes a shift in the state of the, the world and humanity. And this is how the world will, will be under the rule of Antichrist, who, who will go out conquering. He will have a global empire. Remember, things will begin to go into a global system in every part of humanity, whether political or economic or, or even religious, as we move towards that day. But, but because he's ruling, uh, humanity goes into a different state. When you look at this, it says it was granted to him, the one who sat on it, to take peace from the earth. And, and, and it's interesting because this word to take peace, and peace in particular, is a state of natural tranquility. It's a place of natural tranquility, harmony and accord with on, within the earth itself and within humanity to some degree. And he is going to literally take that away so that there will be no peace upon the earth. Now, we got to understand for a minute that when it comes to peace on earth, that in the times that we live in, there is a peace. You might wonder sometime, but there is a peace. Now, we as believers understand that because we have peace with God, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans. We also have the peace of God because of his Holy Spirit. We know that, right? Amen. Y'all know that. Um, the Bible even says, Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, I give, but I give you a peace. You know? So we understand that we actually have the peace of God as believers because of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the church, remember, is the uh, salt of the earth, salt being both a preservative and a healing uh, agent, as well as the light of the world, which meaning that our presence provides a hope. You see that in the world today. I look at the, 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 the uh, people who are recovering, for instance, from uh, coronavirus and how people are celebrating them as they leave the hospital and so many wonderful things are going on and people praying all over the place during this pandemic, people praying in hospitals, praying everywhere. You know, just the, the literal presence of believers it just remember, I always told you that we bear the fragrance of God. So just when we show up on the scene, we're redeeming the time. The Bible tells us that just because we're redeeming the time because the days are equal, because we bring the presence of God with us. But the Bible, remember, says this, that he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. What am I saying? I'm saying as we look at the world right now, it is being restrained 
by the presence of God on earth, the Holy Spirit in particular within his church. So we see a world which is restrained. So even though you might wonder sometimes if there's peace, there is peace right now. And the Bible tells us that God's peace rules and guards us when we, when we stay focused on him in prayer. Philippians tells us, let the peace of God rule and guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. So we're experiencing peace, church, no matter what we see. But see, when we are taken out of the way, that's number one. That changes things by itself. And that allows these horsemen to ride. And when number two, the red horse rides, and, and I like that because... He's, uh, notice it says here, a fiery red horse reminded me instantly of the fiery serpents that were biting the children of Israel in the wilderness in the book of Numbers and before uh, Moses was told to make the bronze serpent for them to look to. You know, it was very interesting. But this fiery red, the guy on the fiery red horse takes peace from the earth. Therefore, he takes away natural tranquility so that peace is no longer something that can be found. Well, wait a minute. What am I saying? Well, I'm saying this, that during the tribulation period, the world is going to be a very scary place to be because the peace of God will have been moved, uh, removed out of the way and the peace that man can even enjoy even in, in, the, in the times when they don't care about God and they're just living in sin, but that will even be taken. There will be no way for man to find rest. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus said in, in, the, in the gospel of Luke, and I think I have it on the screen for you, Luke chapter 21, verse 25 through 27. Hopefully I have it. It reads this way. It says, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. We're going to read about all of that in this chapter. And on the earth, distresses of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Notice verse 26, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken then they will see the son of man coming in the clouds with power and great glory by the time this thing is over they're going to see him jesus says if he didn't come back no flesh would even even survive men's hearts will be failing them what does that mean heart attacks and extreme anxiety now one of the things that was uh, spoken of by some of our politicians and some of our uh, the leading doctors when the coronavirus began is they were concerned about people with depression and anxiety and having issues mental issues during this time because of everything that they would see going on and they felt that that some of the deaths would come from heart attacks and even uh, drug overdose and suicide because of all of the anxiety and despair over what that they would see happening even in our time and that does happen. And so literally during the tribulation period, and I'm particularly saying this to the rebellious, stiff-necked person who's listening, who says, well, I don't care what you say. I, I like my sin, so I'm going to take my chances. When I see this stuff happening, then I'll get right. I just have to plead for your soul that with the Holy Spirit gone, with God sending a strong delusion, and with peace being taken from the earth, I don't know if your chances are all that good you might want to humble yourself and get saved now. He's going to take peace from the earth. People will not know what to do. And everywhere they're turned, they won't be able to find peace. You ever been in a state where you were maybe sick or in pain and you just couldn't find comfort? I, you know, I've seen people in the hospital beds where they just, there's nothing they can do to find a, a, any comfort at all. Well, this is what he's describing 
that the earth is going to be like when the tribulation begins. And if that wasn't bad enough, there's another judgment coming. Verse 5. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. Now, we'll pause there for a moment, and then we'll come back to it. What we know and I believe is happening here with the black horse and this third seal being opened is an economic judgment upon the earth because we see these scales that he holds in his hands and scales represent commerce and, and business and, and capitalism and, and being able to function and do business and trade and, and, and live and function like we normally do in a healthy society and economy. But when the scales are off, it becomes very difficult. And so there's something that we're going to see here. In fact, the Bible tells us in the law, Leviticus chapter 19, y'all, on the screen, verse 36, it says, you shall have honest scales. God always pleaded with his people to do honest business. Let the scales be honest. And notice he says, honest weights. What that means in an honest ephah, an honest hen. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In other words, God says, when you do business, at least in Israel, the place where people were supposed to honor him, it needs to be honest scales. Don't, because what they would do is they would have weights that would be a little off to their favor, or the scales would be adjusted to their favor so that when, when, you, um, when they weighed out the stuff, it worked out towards their favor and you ended up paying more than you should. And this kind of stuff bothers the Lord. When Jesus cleansed the temple, he turned over the money changers' tables and all that kind of stuff because they were ripping the people off. And he always wanted them to have honest scales. But that's one of the things we see here. In fact, Hosea, not on the screen, look at it in your own time. Hosea 12, 7 mentions those who use deceitful scales love to oppress others. And that's what we're seeing happen with this economic judgment. Look at it with me again. It says here that um, he had scales in his hands. Verse 6 says, and I heard, notice he says, I heard, uh, where am I at here? I heard the voice uh, in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. And so there's something that's off here and, and they're going to get a hint of oppression. Now listen to me for a second. We know and we know this, that throughout Scripture, that a denarius is considered a normal daily wage for a laborer. In fact, the Bible kind of confirms that over in the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 2, where Jesus told us a parable of the kingdom of heaven being like a, la a landowner who went out early in the morning, you can see it on your screen, to hire laborers for his vineyard. And it says, now when they had agreed excuse me, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyards. And so it's a denarius is usually a daily wage. In the verse, it says here, as the four living creature is speaking, he says a quart of wheat for denarius and three quarts of barley for denarius. Now look, in our times, what really is a denarius? Well, listen to this. On average worldwide, an annual income is actually only $9,700 worldwide because we need to go worldwide, not just based on America, because we're richer than we realize, okay? So you can't take our figures and apply it to the world. But on average, worldwide, 
an average annual salary is about $9,700. So if you do the math, that works out to about $37 per day. Imagine that, $37 per day. Now, if you think about it, a working adult, one working adult has a family size of three to five people. Okay, we understand that. All right, so a quart of wheat is about, uh, produces about 90 calories. I want you to think through all of this. 90 calories, one quart of wheat, 90 calories. Uh, that totals about 2,880 uh, uh, 2, calories per, uh, per quart of wheat, okay? You got that? Now, here's the crazy thing about that. Listen to me, y'all. This is the crazy thing. The average adult consumes, or the average person in America, or actually, this is the UN Food and Agricultural Organization says this, consumes about 2,700 calories per day, which means that according to what's happening in verse 6, a day's wage would produce a quart of wheat, which would be less than what, or just, yeah, just about what one person would need. And so for a family, listen, you would need about three or four denaria or three or four days wage to feed them in one day. And what that means is that for the lower third of any economy, they will be in extreme poverty during the tribulation period. Which it means is that people in the upper level of society will be dipping into their savings in retirement if that system's even working then just to be able to eat each day. You follow what I'm saying? And it becomes that it's extreme poverty is what's happening during the tribulation period because the whole economic system has broken down, which is as the guy on the white horse is riding, great news for him because he can show up and say, look, I've got the plan to fix all this, y'all. I can actually make all of this go away. All you need to do is basically sign into this system that I'm making mandatory, and I will make sure there's enough for you to be able to get each day. In fact, I was looking at one of the, um, uh, one of the South American countries recently. Um, I believe it may have been Venezuela, whose uh, economy crashed because they put all of their stake in oil, and it literally tanked, and, and, and of course, um, the people are in extreme poverty. And they get a government card, which allows them to get a daily ration, if you will. And so there's going to be extreme poverty during that time. And on top of that, he's going to force them to take a mark, uh, the number of his name or the image of, of, of him in their right hand or their forehead and able to be able to participate in this global economy, which will be a cashless society, obviously, which means that not only are they in extreme poverty, they actually have to literally sell their soul to the devil in order to participate in the economy that's, that's being uh, put together by him during that time. And so I say to you all of this as we read it, and when we spend so many, listen, we're spending the bulk of the book of Revelation going through this tribulation period of which we have the opportunity as believers to not even be here, but as you're watching, if you don't know Jesus, Jesus wants to, the Bible says, deliver you from this so he says a quart of wheat for a day's wage a denarius and three quarts of barley for a day's wage or denarius but notice what he says and do not harm the oil and the wine now when you compare you know wheat is like the 
the primary staple of society. We, we, we live on wheat for a lot of different things, okay? It's, it's just that basic nourishment that you need, okay? We understand that. Barley is even more common because they use barley as a bonding agent. They even use it in animal food and stuff like that. But when you get into wine and oil, those are the more luxurious items which are not harmed. Well, wait a minute. Why is that the case? Because remember, people who use deceitful scales want to oppress people. And a lot of times, listen, y'all, when we see poverty beginning to happen on the earth, it's usually due to political or politics in general and people who are making horrible decisions and taking advantage of others. There's no reason for there to be poverty on the earth. We have the resources and the landmass. I remember flying over Africa when we entered the African continent on our way to Nigeria and we were flying low enough to watch the landscape of the land to some degree, and just the square miles upon square miles of empty land. You know, we have the ability to feed people today more than ever before. Um, there, there's systems today, you can, you can use an aquaponic system and put it in an urban area and raise vegetables and fish enough to feed uh, whole neighborhoods. Uh, we have the ability on planet Earth to feed everyone, but there's wickedness in the heart of men and corruption. Even right now, in the times we're living in right now, the farmers are having to pour out. I remember they saw them dumping milk on the ground and having vegetables go to waste because of all the bureaucracy that prevents them from being able to just take that to people who could actually put it to use and using it. And so it's corruption in politics that a lot of times creates poverty. We have to understand that. And so during the uh, tribulation period, it would be extreme. Imagine having to pay... Uh, $37 for what is the equivalent of a loaf of bread. We can't even imagine that. But that's what's coming. And if that wasn't bad enough, it's another judgment. Look at the fourth seal, the judgment of death. It says in verse 7, And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it, it was death, and Hades followed with him. Very interesting. Now, look, we, we kind of know who the rider of the white horse is. We know that's Satan. Excuse me, that's Antichrist. We know that, even though he's not given a name here in the text. And then the red horse is just a dude on a fiery red horse, of course. And then there's a guy on a black horse. They don't have names, but we come to one who actually has a name, and it's not a good name. His name is death, and his buddy Hades or hell is following with him. These are bad dudes. You need to turn to Jesus. And notice it says, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth, notice, to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Very interesting. That, a, that the power is given to them to kill uh, over a fourth of the earth, notice, to kill. If you think about it, and try to do those numbers. You know, the, the, we had about 7.5 billion people on the planet in 2017. We currently had about 7.79 billion people on the earth. It's expected to be at 8.5 billion by 2030, 9.7 billion by 2050, and 11.2 billion by 2100. I, I don't think we're going to get that far. But let's just take the 2030 number. That's good. That's less than 10 years from now. 
So by 2030, we're expected to have 8.5 billion people on the planet, okay? Well, one-fourth of 8.5 billion people is about 2.1 billion people dying at once. It's hard for us to understand that. I can't even begin to fathom that. Look, we've only had around 245,000 people die worldwide from the coronavirus. And already countries, some countries, some cities are having a hard time figuring out what to do with that many dead bodies. We've had to go to a type of mass grave burial system and know some funeral homes are overworked and don't have supplies and hospital morgues being filled up in different places around the world who got hit with this all at once. And that's a very small number compared to 2.1 billion that will happen in a very short period of time at the beginning of the tribulation period. You know, right now in certain places, uh, those bodies have been sitting around and you can smell the stench of them. Can you imagine what the earth will be like with two billion people plus dead in a matter of months? Can you imagine that? The earth will be overrun with death. I can't even begin to fathom that. You know, we live in a country right now, here's the crazy thing, in America, and I know some of you who are watching are not living in America. Maybe you've been to America. Uh, you know, Americans, we're kind of removed from death, generally speaking. Death happens, and for most of us, unless you work in the healthcare environment or you work in the funeral business or something like that, for the average American, we only deal with death close up a couple of times in our lifetime, usually with grandparents or parents for the most part, maybe a spouse. So two to three times in our lifetime, we deal with death close up. Most of us, we don't see it much. We don't understand what it's really like. But with two billion people dead on the planet, everyone will see death as a daily part of life. They will see it. They will know the stench of it. This is what is coming upon the earth. This is why men's hearts will be failing them for fear and expectation of the things that are coming upon the earth. So the writer's name is death. Hades follows with him. Power was given to them over a fourth of the earth, and we just got into the tribulation period here, to kill with the sword. Three different ways. They're going to kill with the sword. They're going to kill with hunger and with death. Now remember, peace was taken from the earth earlier with the the ride of the red horse. Remember, I didn't cover that. Go back up to verse 4. It says it was granted to him who sat on that horse, verse 4, to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And it was given him a great sword. So listen, violence will increase with the ride of the red horse. I mean, we see that today in America and every, in places in the world. There's a lot of violence already. I mean, people are already killing each other. The, the, uh, the Islamic religion kills people uh, quite a bit on any urban city there is violence and death already happening and that's just normal life but when the rider of the pale horse rides it will be ramped up and he's going to also kill with hunger and notice by the beast of the earth so he's going to kill with famines and the beast of the earth which could also be a hint towards pestilences again when he says the beast of the earth that means any of the wildlife We understand, listen to me, we understand that most of these uh, pandemics like a uh, coronavirus or a a, a bird flu, a swine flu, a 
uh, mad cow disease. I mean, we've seen them all, right? Um, we see those things and because a lot of these things come from animals, but they have also discovered, listen, that the 2018 Spanish flu, which killed many, minimum 50 million people, that particular flu they've discovered is a type of bird flu itself, which could come back. So with that being said, I mean, these things will be coming upon the earth and people will literally, their hearts will be failing them because of all of these things. And I got to say to you that as we look at this, look, the reason why this is laid out is that we can understand what is coming and so that we can call upon the Lord even now. This is what we're called to do, y'all. We're called to understand this and to turn our hearts and our minds to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what we have to look for is something totally different. Um, I want to remind you that it is told to us by Paul, and I quote this all the time. If I sound like a broken record, understand that's my job. We learn by repetition. I will remind you until I go to be with the Lord. So if you're part of this church and you're fairly young, you're going to hear Pastor Kevin say this until he leaves, and it'll be ingrained in your mind and in your heart. That the Bible says that we are to look to heaven for the Lord Jesus who will deliver us from the wrath that is to come. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10 because 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says we haven't been appointed to wrath but to obtain salvation. And so throughout we see the Lord promising for those who love him that he is coming for them. Jesus said, and I'll quote this one too. He says, let not your heart be troubled some of the most beautiful verses in this in the whole gospel he said you believe in God believe also in me for in my father's house remember this are many mansions and if it were not so I would have told you Jesus says I ain't lying I'm telling you the truth he says I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am you may be also and so with all of this as we look at it and begin to contemplate all of these things, we understand that we're not looking for this coming world leader. I know some of you are already speculating as to who he might be. Is he the president of France? Listen to me. We're not looking for this dude. We're not going to probably see who he is when he is revealed because the church is going to be removed. What we're looking for, what we're listening for, what we're hoping for is that the sound of the trumpet will blast. The Lord will shout. We'll be caught up to meet him in the air so we can get out of here. Amen. That's what we're looking for. Because what's coming upon the earth is going to be almost too much to bear. We're just looking at a fourth of the population dying here in this particular chapter. In chapter number uh, nine, because there's some strange things still to come, y'all. The bottomless pit's going to be open. There's some weird folks coming out of there, out of hell. We get into chapter nine. Chapter nine, turn over with me really quick into chapter nine. I want you to see this. Uh, in verse 14, he says, he's saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet released the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who were prepared for the hour, the day, the month. In other words, God had prepared them for the exact time were released to kill, notice, a third of mankind. We lost a fourth in chapter six, but going to lose another third in chapter nine. And we ain't even done. I won't go any further. And Jesus says, if he doesn't return, all flesh, there would be nobody left living And if he didn't come back. He comes back to spare that. And the Bible says that the rider of the white horse will be given the authority to prevail against the saints. 
Listen to me. If you're watching, if you're listening, I feel pretty confident in my time with the people who are in here with me, the 10 of us. But even if you, if, look, if you've been playing church and you're not sure in your heart about these things, I'm here to tell you that this is not where you want to be. And the only way to escape this is to turn to Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved, but in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. He is the only mediator between God and man who gave himself a ransom for, from us all because God doesn't want anybody to perish, but he wants people to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Well, the truth is that Jesus Christ is the only begotten of the Father who became God incarnate, really. He came down and he took upon himself flesh and he lived among us as a man. And so we know he's 100% man, but he's also 100% God. It was necessary that it be that way so that he could qualify to pay for our sin. And I love the fact that Jesus paid for our sin as a man so that it would, it's something that we can't even fathom, that he became one of us and then he died for us. And then the Bible says that he himself will descend from heaven to come and get us. Jesus did all this work. The Bible says that when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus did this himself. He bled and died for you personally so that he could redeem you and save you and have you as his own. And that's the only way to escape the coming judgment upon this world who not only has rejected him, but has lived wickedly before him. In America, there are over 400,000 reports of missing children every year. Now, many of them, almost 90% of them, are runaways, and, and, and so that gets dealt with accordingly. And then others are abducted and molested, uh, but at least one out of six of those go into sex trafficking. Not to mention the ones we aborted, and the neglect, and the hunger, and the famine. And, and, and listen, what I'm basically saying is man is wicked and unable to govern himself. And, and all of that, God has had to sit by and watch man reject him, molest children, and persecute the church through the ages. And you think that the world doesn't deserve to be judged? Yes, it does deserve to be judged. And we deserve to be judged with it, but he spared us by his own blood because that's his grace and so this world will see judgment and what God desires right now for us is to joyously proclaim his love and his mercy to a world so that many can escape what is coming this coming judgment of these four horsemen as they just introduce to the world the tribulation period which is coming when we come back together next week, we're going to get into some cosmic disturbances as the whole world begins to change during that seven-year period of time. But for now, that's enough for today. You go chew on that for a while until we can come back together. Hey, I love y'all. God is good. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for allowing us to have this study today. You are the most amazing and only wise God. You are worthy of our praise. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. And Lord God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that you would continue to do a mighty work in them. Lord, preparing us to praise you uh, face to face, Lord God, again. Uh, Lord, uh, we miss one another. We're thankful for one another. But in all of that, Lord, we're just thankful that we have life in you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>